Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 335 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hampshire. And tonight we are doing our short format topics, and we have the usual cast of characters, the LHS crew. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And COVID is doing well for us because our peanut gallery is growing by leaps and bounds. We have lots of people in the chat room tonight. We'll mention them at the end of the show. But we need to get into some topics. So we have a lead topic for tonight, and I bet... You can all guess what that topic is. And Bill is going to reveal it to us. Absolutely. Contesting is redefined by COVID-19. That's right. Many multi-transmitter and multi-operator contests are dropping this class with the current recommendations for physical distancing. Uh, the IARU Region 1 posts that uh, Field Day brings radio amateurs together and so, rep- so represent an environment where social distancing is difficult to achieve. We must recognize that many radio amateurs are in the older, higher-risk age groups. IARU Region 1, therefore, asked national societies which promote field days and uh, multi-op contests to reconsider their position on these events for the next few months of 2020. Field days are essentially a team contest, so the IARU will not sponsor the Region 1 HFCW field day in June. It's a matter for the national societies to decide whether or not, or whether whether and how they continue their national field day events. And from the IARU Region 2, they posted that radio club meetings, multi-operator contests, and other events that bring amateurs, radio amateurs together make social distancing difficult. We must recognize that everybody's old. We get it. <laughs> we need to act responsibly. So they have suspended, uh, they're recommending that radio clubs and amateurs uh, and national societies modify or suspend any in-person activities while this ongoing health emergency continues and that includes uh pulling out the multi multi uh uh classes and a lot of contests a lot of international contests and whatnot so yeah if you normally run a multi multi in a contest you will no longer have a class or a score for that <laughs> they, uh, they were not going to be accepting the logs apparently in, in a lot of these uh, bigger contests so uh, expect that to be uh fairly common over the next few months and we do have links to the IARU Region 1 and IARU uh, 2 announcements. Hard to say it, isn't it? <laughs> I, 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 the IRU. The IRU. IRU. Well, let's just say IRU. Uh, announcements, yeah. So those will be in the show notes if you want to read all of the, the gory details. Uh, but also in the amateur radio world, we have some other topics. Uh, the first one being, group does first all virtual amateur radio exam. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Michael Stieber, AI6MS, reports on Twitter that 
Quote, yesterday, our working group ran an all-virtual amateur radio technician license exam for the first time in history. Thanks to W5YI for being supportive of this effort. Stay tuned. We hope to have a scalable solution available for broader use soon. Uh, and he tagged uh, some folks we know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, he later adds, it's important to note that other groups like Anchorage ARC VEC already do remote testing sessions, but they still require an on-site proctor. The exam we ran was the first time everyone was remote and on video, the new norm in the era of social distancing. And that came from Twitter, of course, but that's uh, yeah. pretty cool, actually. Uh, although His name is Marcel, Marcel Stiber, not Michael, but that's okay. Oh, did I say Michael? I am yes. so sorry. <laughs> I had a check, but that's okay. <laughs> it was spelled wrong there. It was spelled Marcel. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's I probably what threw like you Michael. off. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so Marcel Stiber. Uh, yeah, so it looks like they are doing the, uh, well, at least a group is attempting to do this, and it has been done at least once. Uh, don't jump on everybody's back trying to get it done. I know there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of chit chat about it. Uh, from Sterling and from Dan and a bunch of other people talking about these remote ham radio exams. You know, ham radio exams are not going to die in the, you know, a couple months of uh, <laughs> shelter in place. Um, you know, the world isn't over where we have to do this, but it would be nice and it would simplify a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of testing situations, like even uh, ADA situations where it's not really, you know, it's not really easy or, you know, available to do a test in person sometimes for some individuals. Uh, this could definitely be an opportunity for those people to participate in testing where they otherwise couldn't. And I think if people focus on that more than this COVID-19 stuff, I, th I think that's more important. And, you know, especially when we look back at, uh, you know, Hamvention and stuff like that, where they didn't provide <laughs> yeah, accessible, suitable, yeah. you know, this is something that could have been done as well. It's like, oh, well, we have this other option. You can just go into this room in front of a computer and do this, you know, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, I think there's a lot of uh, other uses for this and needs for this that uh, some of the proponents of this are not necessarily uh uh, uh, speaking up about. Yeah, absolutely. It can definitely make things a lot easier, especially people who have uh, mobility issues and, and other concerns like that. Plus, I, I certainly hope this uh, whole idea of uh, takeout beer and curbside pickup at every restaurant in the universe continues uh, <laughs> after this is all over. <laughs> as long as the uh, beer comes in an open container, I'm good. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> All right, so we have another amateur radio story, and Cheryl, do you want to read this one? Sure. Okay, good. Mm. I'm glad you're willing. Whatever. Stop so, eating your chips. Sorry, that, that's my breakfast. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> anyway, our next story is the FCC grants temporary emergency authority to WISPs operating in 5.8 gigahertz band. The FCC has granted temporary permission to wireless internet service providers in rural portions of 29 states and the U.S. Virgin Islands to operate in the 5.8 gigahertz band which is 5.850 to 5.895. The authorization to help meet the temporary surge in demand for residential fixed broadband services during the pandemic was one of the multiple waivers issued in the past week that grant granted temporary access to a variety of bands in response to the uptick in residential broadband demand. The 5.8 gigahertz grants were effective on March 26th. Each grant is for 60 days. Provided individual WISPs file STA applications within 10 days of March 26th. 
Amateur Radio shares the spectrum on a secondary basis with dedicated short-range communications and, excuse me, and industrial, scientific, and medical applications. And that status remains unchanged. All right. And that info came from the ARRL. Yeah, I heard some people chatting on the local repeater today talking about the fact that uh, because some people are old, they don't have... (laughs) They don't have internet service and suddenly they're being asked to work from home and they have to actually have internet service. Wow. Shocking that no one, that some people still don't have internet service in this day, but yes, it's a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Bill, tell us about the Hamvention QSO party. Yes, everybody's, you know, sad panda because we're not doing Hamvention, but, uh, the, uh, we got a Hamvention QSO party up on tap here, and the Dayton Hamvention for 2020 has been canceled. The WWROF, the Worldwide Radio Operators Foundation, in cooperation with the Hamvention organizers, wanted to create a fun way for people to celebrate the Hamvention experience over the air, the Hamvention QSO party. In memory of Ron, W8ILC, who became a silent key just two days after Hamvention 2020 cancellation announcement, Ron had attended every Hamvention since the beginning. This is a 12-hour fun event on Saturday of Hamvention, May 16th, 2020. And a link to the WWROF site with all the rules and information. So go ahead and take a look at that. And who knows, that one might be included in the uh, in the state CUSO party, I think. I haven't checked their uh, website yet, but uh, it wouldn't be surprised if this becomes uh, one of the uh, sanctioned events for the uh, state CUSO party uh, uh, collection contest. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know. If things start to relax a little bit by the 16th of May, I may just drive out to Indiana anyway. Screw all this and get some good Cajun food. Um, How are you supposed to get that? You're gonna like show up on his doorstep with a plate? I said, if things relax. <laughs> oh. did, did you miss that whole part about if things relax? <laughs> you could probably still show up on his doorstep with a plate. I think. I well, yeah, it'd have to be probably at his house though, <laughs> which is thirty miles away from the restaurant. Right. So, yeah, and he'd yeah. probably be like, "Why the hell are you here?" And go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. So. So, little little segue here. Is Bill's wife's graduation stuff still on tap? It got canceled. They're virtual for it. So, yeah, I just we just canceled the hotel for that and the rental car. Oh, that's right. I have to cancel the rental car still. Um, yeah, we yeah, still need so. to cancel the hotel for Hamvention. So, well, I mean, let's not just yet. We have until two days before. So. Why are you still hanging on to it? I've just said, if things relax, we might go <laughs> anyway. Well, road trip I mean, <laughs> we're not going to go to Dayton or to Xenia, but, you know, might go somewhere. <laughs> okay, whatever. So, anyway. They won't relax. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're saying June 1st now at the, yeah, at the absolute minimum. So. Yeah, I know. I know. They're still trying to save everyone. I get it. Although, what was the prediction now? 200K dead yeah, here in the, in the U.S.? Like that, yeah. On the uh, optimistic side, oh yeah, <laughs> well, a hundred to two hundred, you know, thousand, you know, whatever. It's a, yeah, you know, it's a well, rounding error, I'm uh, sure. There was what? There's been eighty. Was it eighty? No, it's eighty thousand af- affected in Italy, right? Yeah. But they've only lost like three thousand people or something. No, their their death rate, uh, their death rate based on reported cases, I think, is ten percent. Okay. I just saw a video today on that. So anyway, enough about that stuff. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some amateur radio topics, which are 
uh, in the past, actually. Let's move on to some open source topics, <laughs> which are uh, <laughs> in the future. <laughs> the future. Uh, so for some open source topics, well, the first one is the XBAT file system is coming to Linux Paragon Software's... Oh, I'm sorry. You you really need to work on the way you cut and paste crap. I just uh, pasted it. I didn't even go through it yet. I know. <laughs> He's like, it's there. Yeah. yeah. Chop and do whatever you want. All right. Let me try and read it the way it's uh, sort of written here. The XFAT file system is coming to Linux. Paragon Software is not happy about it. When software and operating system giant Microsoft announces its support for inclusion of the XFAT file system directly into the Linux kernel back in August, it didn't get a ton of press coverage. But file system vendor Paragon Software clearly noticed this month's merge of the Microsoft-approved largely Samsung-authored version of XFAT into the VMS for next... VMS... What the? (laughs) Largely Samsung-authored version of XFAT into the VFS... For next, next repository. repository, which will in turn merge into Linux 5.7, and Paragon doesn't seem happy about it. Yesterday, which is a few days ago, actually, March 24th, Paragon issued a press release about European gateway modem vendor Sagemcom, or Sagemcom, 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 <laughs> adopting its version of XFAT into an upcoming series of Linux-based routers. Unfortunately, it chose to preface the announcement with a stream of FUD. We all know what FUD is. That wouldn't have locked out a place of on that wouldn't have looked out of place on Steve Ballmer's letter. God damn it! Wait, wait, wait! Down, down your Here, brain. Do me a favor. Clean my glasses. <laughs> okay, oh, that's, that's not your reason. That's not my reason. Okay, maybe this is my clean my eyeballs. Will you? <laughs> of course, I, I took my glasses off, so now I can't read anything. But okay, it shouldn't. It shows to preface the announcement with a stream of fud that wouldn't have looked out of place on Steve Ballmer's letterhead in the 1990s. Paragon described its arguments against open source software, which appeared directly in my inbox as an article available for publication in any form, explaining why the open source model didn't work in three cases. All three of Paragon's offered cases were curious examples at best. Now you're going to have to elucidate. Elucidate? Yeah, elucidate. Now now you're going to use big words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. Uh, They had three cases. Uh, Case one was uh, Android. And um, let's see. Uh, Let's look into some cases where the file systems are similar to XFAT are supported in Unix derivatives and how that worked from an open source perspective. So all this is just arguing about the open source validity of everything and they're talking about where android uh, creates a native linux ext 4fs container to run apps from a fat formatted flashcard so that's one example the second case two is uh, mac os another unix derivative uh and let's see they're talking about uh, ntfs there I don't know what that has to do with it <laughs> and the final argument is smb and, uh, yeah, talking about the uh, SMB protocol implementa- implementation as well as macOS and that. And, uh, yeah, none of the arguments look terribly great, but, uh, you know, normally when you're dealing with somebody, uh, coming, uh, for money, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is just a deal of, uh, 
someone bought some IP and now they want to try to get money on it. Uh, that's and, another one of those. Yeah. It's, and a troll. it's just another implementation. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, okay. You know, it has been out there for a while. I mean, Microsoft just didn't magically make this appear and shove it in there in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, read the article. It's, it's kind of an interesting breakout of the, the three cases and how it's really hard to connect all the dots in their logic. But, um, but yeah, it, it was a really good article from Ars Technica. So check it out. Well, I'm sure people will. And a link to it, of course, will be in the show notes. And since you're, uh, since you're really bad at cutting and pasting crap, you're just going to do the next one too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see where this one's going to be a nightmare. So go uh, for okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, you can figure out the next one that you were supposed to go through and figure out what interests you. But anyway, uh, so yeah, OBS, uh, there is a bounty, uh, to implement virtual camera across platform. It's number 2568. <clears throat> this may be against the community guidelines. This is a quote. If I so apologize, everyone is working from home. I know a lot of people who need OBS, but, uh, now, but need to broadcast into video conferencing software like Zoom, you know, Meet, I guess that's uh, Jitsi Meet or something like that in Teams. I personally use uh, OBS Virtual Cam on Windows, but most of my company and most of the tech world lives on Mac for work. I feel right now is a great time for OBS to implement this as a core feature and gain an entirely entirely new group of users. So here's what I would like to see. OBS should support uh, to output a virtual camera and a virtual microphone. This should be available on Mac, PC, and Linux if possible. Uh, the feature should be enabled by default to make a setup easier. I know this is a tricky feature, and I imagine there might be a driver signing issue or simply platform limitations lurking. But if this sounds interesting and you need the project, I'm happy to support this feature with a bounty of $10,000 as an additional incentive. And this is by Tobias Lutke. And that's uh, over on GitHub. And that's in the GitHub issues for OBS. And uh, I also linked uh, Tobias's uh, personal uh, repo. So... Yes, I, I definitely think OBS needs the ability to do sort of universal virtual device drivers. That would be awesome. Yeah, I've used the the, the OBS virtual cam in Windows, and you know that that's a great simple implementation. It uh, you know that's that's not a hundred percent. You know, it does take a lot of processing out of the computer to do it. So you need a pretty beefy machine to kind of even do that in Windows. Um, and there are some other alternatives alternatives to kind of do it but um not like anything that's the same and built into obs and uh, you know that would really i think be a very shining feature uh for doing that especially for your skype guests where you need to send back video and stuff like that while you're producing the show um yeah it would greatly simplify that thing instead of sending them back just the audio of the show itself so, well, uh, yeah. So if you're interested in that, uh, follow the thread. I know there's a lot of discussion on that issue thread <laughs> with things that sort of already are out there and sort of semi work and, you know, doing like a, you know, V42L, you know, sync and some other options that are kind of hackish ways to get it to work on Linux. And I'm not sure what specifically is out there for Mac, if any. So, uh, so yeah, if you know anything or interested in working on this kind of project, hey, go do it. <laughs> I kind of thought I saw something about there was an, at least in the Linux part, there was an, the NDI interface that I was talking to you about the other day was sort of set up so that you could have OBS on one computer with an NDI to a remote computer running OBS with an NDI coming in that would create a, uh, like a straight virtual uh, camera connection for doing, for doing video to video. So you could 
uh, incorporated that way, which is kind of nice. There are uh, ways to do it with multiple computers. It just becomes a little cumbersome. Right. And, and I think Don, that's the thing. They want it to work on one machine. Yeah, no, I agree. And I want to do the same thing. OBS needs to have virtual devices. That would be awesome. Like, just sort of universally and easy to implement. And uh, Don, KB2YSI in the chat room, says, Meet is the next-gen version of Hangouts. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I didn't put it together real quick there. <laughs> I was just thinking that too because our scout, uh, our scout troop just used Meet tonight for their scout meeting. So <laughs> I should have should have kind of put that together. Yeah. So can Cheryl read this next one, or am I supposed to read it? Read it. Oh, I guess it, I'm reading it. It's a it. real short one. I'm just kind of looking through if there's anything we haven't seen in there. But go ahead. Okay. Well, you can tell me if you find something while I'm reading it. Uh, this is is this our essentialist or whose essentialist is this? Purism. Purisms. Okay. Purism's essential list of free software for remote work. Uh, they've been working remote since, or yeah, they at Purism have been working remote since they started in 2014. And their list of essential free software for remote work can all be self-hosted or used via various hosted options. So what's interesting in there that we have not already talked about, or just mentioned some things we have talked about, because I'm not looking at the article. Okay, yeah, so for chats, calls, and video conferencing, they use Matrix for their team chat, and they use Jitsi for their video conferencing, so that's a pretty common uh, pretty common mix-up. For audio conferencing, they use Mumble. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, they use, uh, for their social networking, they use Mastodon. Uh, forums are using Discourse, and, of course, you see that all over the place right now. Project management and DevOps, they use the GitLab Community Edition and uh, Fabricator for ticketing. Um, I'm surprised they don't use GitLab issues. That's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, WordPress for authoring, uh, Nextcloud for their internal calendar, scheduling and file storage and document uh, collaboration. Uh, operating system, of course, they use Pure OS. How about that? <laughs> it is the company that brought you Purism. Brought <laughs> <laughs> your OS. Uh, let's see here. Other, uh, let's see, mails powered by Dovecot. Dovecot? Dovecot? Dovecot, uh, yep. And we use GM New Mailman for our newsletters and mailing lists. And they use an internal wiki based on WikiJS. So wow, old one. school. Mailman <laughs> and Dovecot, those are... <laughs> Those are old school. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, yeah, that's just kind of their stuff that they use as a uh, as a completely remote working company, and uh, also a FOSS company, right? FOSS, FOSS, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever we do here, uh, yeah, Tom exactly. says he's downloaded Meet but hasn't used it. Zoom is doing his job with a couple of groups, and by the way, it's fun. Never used to care about seeing folks, but now it's good. Yeah, I have a feeling that there's going to be sort of an uptick in uh, video conferencing. <laughs> yeah, I never uh, turned my camera on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, as of two days ago, I now actually have a camera on my main workstation. Ah, there you go. Yeah, uh, and Don KB2YSI says, if needing, there's a setting in Zoom to show 49 participants in a gallery view. Okay. That's a busy screen. <laughs> that is a busy screen. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because I actually participate in some Zoom videos and we can only see like six people at a time. So, did you see that uh, thing? I don't remember if it was on Facebook or the news where they were having a conference call with like eight, eight or nine or ten people or something like that, and some woman decided to go up and go to the bathroom and actually brought her camera with her Oops. and <laughs> went to the bathroom on video during the middle of a conference call, <laughs> and and you could see everything. Uh, nice. <laughs> okay. Yep. And make sure nice. you turn that camera off. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Fun nice. fun. Nice. All right. <laughs> and there was like there were it was like eight women and and one guy in the conference call. <laughs> I'm sure the women were like, "Hey, Doris." No, no, yeah. no. They they were like they were steadfastly ignoring what was going on. And at the very end of the video, the guy's like, "I didn't see anything." <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah good stuff anyway where are we oh we're on to linux in the ham shack how about that yeah we've gone all this way and now we're like to the beginning of the show (laughs) uh so linux in the ham shack we have sdr angel we've talked about this before haven't we uh, we have mentioned it in the past, and it came up in our discussion on the deep dive, and I just kind of wanted to throw it in here. I didn't get time to actually run it and install it <laughs> on my RTL SDR. I was going to, but I was busy doing other stuff today. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and run over it real quick here. Okay. So SDR Angel is an open source Qt5 or Qt5, uh, OpenGL 3.0 plus SDR and signal analyzer front end to various hardware. SDR RX TX software for AirSpy, AirSpice HF+, Blade RF, Hack RF, Lime SDR, Pluto SDR, RTL SDR, SDR Play, RSP1, and The Fun Cube. Uh, ancillary projects related to SDR Angel, of course, are SDR Angel CLI, which is a web application that can be used to control a headless server flavor instance of SDR Angel. It can also be used to remote control for the GUI flavor. And as well, there's an SDR Angel Docker, which is a collection of Docker files and scripts to facilitate the build and run of SDR Angel in a Docker container. Works for either the GUI, only on a Linux host, or the server. So check that project out over on uh, GitHub. And uh, yeah, that was uh, definitely recommended multiple times uh, by uh, um, David, right? David? Was it David? <laughs> Cozell? <laughs> Dave Cozell, right? Uh, no, it was uh, Derek Kozak. Derek Kozak. I knew it was D. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, recommended, and uh, yeah, I hadn't. I wanted to try it, but I, I didn't. I didn't try it. So, and I think that was the same thing I said last time we've come across this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we'll get to it eventually. I, I will get to it. I actually put my station sorta back together um, uh, just the other day because I'm trying to clean up my radio desk here and. Uh, I almost got to it. I almost did. <laughs> but then I got busy doing FT8 and stuff. <laughs> yep. Not real ham radio. Yeah, not definitely not real ham radio. <laughs> All right. Very cool. A link to the project will, of course, be in the show notes. And uh, finally, we have Arden release notes for version 3.20.3.0, which was released uh, a couple of days ago. So there you go. Uh, the Arden team is pleased to announce the general availability of the latest stable release of Arden firmware. We now fully support 70 m- and possibly more devices from four manufacturers. This diversity of supported equipment enables hams to choose the right gear for a given situation and budget. Arden firmware is now based on the most recent stable version of OpenWRT 19.07.2, which was released in March 2020. This improvement is significant in that it enables Arden firmware to benefit from the many bug fixes, security improvements, and feature enhancements provided by OpenWRT developers from around the world. The latest Arden firmware contains features inherited from the newest OpenWRT upstream release. One important change is the inclusion of a new target architecture for the firmware labeled ATH79, which is the successor to the existing AR71XX targets. OpenWRT explains that their main goal for this target is to bring the code into a form that will allow all devices to run a standard unpatched Linux kernel. 
This will greatly reduce the amount of customization required and will streamline the firmware development process. As not all supported devices have been migrated to the new ATH79 target, Arden continues to build firmware for both targets. You may notice that the Arden download page has firmware for these two targets, and you should select the latest image based on the type of hardware and the recommended target on which it is to be installed. And a link to the Arden project will be in the show notes. We did a, did we do a deep dive into Arden? I think we did. I believe we did. And I did yep. want to add one more topic in here. Oh, we'll add a topic then. Excellent. This is, this is kind of cool. I'll type it in later, but, um, I, I shared a screenshot of, uh, of, uh, my, uh, WSJTX and nobody said anything. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a slick dark mode, uh, styling sheet that you can apply to your WSJTX, uh, that makes it not look like ass anymore in dark mode. <laughs> I was wondering how you were doing that. Actually, oh. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it in the, your recent screenshots and I had no, I didn't know if it was based on the, the desktop environment or no, or no. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a style sheet you can apply on the actual startup. And let me just look at my history real quick here. Pipe grep, uh, W. I know I have it on this machine, probably. Yeah, so there is a a dash style sheet uh, in the command line, which what I did over on my um, my Fedora box was just edit the uh, desktop icon. I'm going to paste it in the chat room, too. But if you execute your WSJTX with dash style sheet space colon slash Q dark style slash style dot QSS, again, it'll be in the show notes, <laughs> you will get a really... You know, nice looking dark mode, uh, version of WSJTX. And it could, it could cure some abnormalities, um, that you see occasionally. Like I know on Fedora, I do, it'll flip sometimes between the black, you know, uh, theme that I'm running and sometimes it'll just come out gray. Like it's in this normal light theme. This kind of overrides that. So it's always in this style. Um, I do have to mention that your color highlights, you'll want to go through and redo those. They do not provide that as part of the set. So like, you know, all your, you know, new station, a CQ heard your call. So like that whole list is, is all really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all really ugly anyway. It, it's really ugly anyway, but yeah, it's even uglier in dark mode. So I've actually pulled all the backgrounds out of mine and made like the primary text color, the color of the original alert. And I've kind of like toned down the ones that I really don't care about anyway. Um, so. Yeah, if you're if you have a dark mode and you want to kind of style it so it's more dark modish on your computer, uh, definitely try this out with your WSJTX. It's already in your setup, so you, it's already delivered with it. I didn't even know about it until uh, I uh, I was reading the. Um, uh, was it, uh, the WSJTX, uh, forums, not forums, uh, the email list. And somebody had posted a, a package for Solus. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I got, I got my Solus box here that I'm running. And, you know, I was like, I'm not really going to use it for ham radio, but I'd go ahead and test out the package for him. So I installed the package and then I, I kind of off, off the cuff mentioned that, ah, you know, it'd be, it's, it's a shame that the style sheet sucks, you know, or that the style sucks in, in, um, in this dark moded, uh, Neo budgie. And then some guy came back and gave me this. I'm like, oh, where's that been my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> and a couple other people had mentioned in the, uh, in the, in the, in the email group that, Oh yeah, I've never seen that either. That's, that's slick. 
<laughs> the, so the part I, where you change the highlight colors is that stored in a config file that you could also present to someone who wanted to save some time trying to figure out how to change those <laughs> Uh, possibly. I haven't looked at the config file itself to pull those out, and I don't know. Like, you'd have to probably use patch to do it, and people aren't real familiar with patch. So, um, cause I'm not sure. Could you? Could you bring in all the other settings, like your own call and stuff like that? Right. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'll take a look at that and see if that's something that we could export out as well. And uh, yeah, give it a try if you have dark mode and want to see your WSJTX in a dark mode all the time. It would be some new hot sexiness for FT8. <laughs> well, it's kind of awesome because I, I run everything else in dark mode on my ham shack PC. And I would love to, as you say, not have WSJTX look like ass anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Excellent. Yeah, so, so, so is the style.qss good... included in the default install? Yes. Okay, so you just have to reference it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's all you do. And like I say, you can just edit your desktop file that has your command line in it, and then your your shortcuts will work without a problem. Right. All right. Awesome. I like it. So <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about writing in here, and that's when I was like, "Oh yeah, we're coming down to the end. I should. I, I got to mention this because it, it was like so cool." <laughs> <laughs> I did notice it, and I was. I kept thinking every time you posted a screenshot to the Discord, like. Oh, how come he gets that cool looking WSJTX? <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it was part of your DE that was changing it somehow. But no, I'd run GNOME on that box, so it's pretty standard. Oh, very cool. Well, I'm I'm gonna do that like immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So we are down to the end of our topics for tonight, which means we have come to what we call segment five, which is the social media roundup. And uh, someone who's sitting across from me needs to start paying attention. Uh, <laughs> Stop. I'm I'm paying attention. I'm working on a recipe for the next episode. You're not supposed to give that information away. We don't record these at the same time. What are you talking about? I'm working on a ep- uh, recipe for the next episode. I didn't say when it's recorded. <laughs> uh, anyway. So anyway, let's uh, let's hear who's on the social media roundup for this week. Okay, this week for the Patreons, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gever, Douglas Redder, Erno Castales, Herb Garcia, Ta- John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitt, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, Stephen Harp, and William Heckelman. For our subscriptions, we have Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Conley, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Pewter, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jobling. On Facebook, we had Stephen Provost and Alex Archer join us. On Twitter, we had at Lucian Gasparini, at M0DHP, at underscore PitFan underscore, at Fabalentine Jr., or F.A. Ballantine Jr., excuse me, at KEJs, at PDP7, at R4D10N, at JJGoodwin13, and at Tom Zorzi. On YouTube, we had Terry Johnson. On the mailing list, we had Josiah, AB1JG, and no merchandise sales. 
All right. Thank you to all those folks who support the show. There, you know, you don't hear it from one week to the next when those lists change, but they do change. <laughs> Not very often, but yeah, they do change. Uh, yeah, they do change. And there is a, there's a long time supporter of the show who is absent from one of those lists this time. And so I just wanted to say, if you suddenly didn't hear your name in that list, uh, check your credit card settings. <laughs> 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 or if you no longer wanted to support the show, that's cool too. You, you've been a supporter for a long time. I'm not going to say who it is, obviously. Um, but. I want to thank everybody who supports the show financially. We really appreciate it. It keeps the lights on, as we say, and uh, helps us keep doing what we do, and we really appreciate it. Uh, and with that said, we want to mention all the folks who are in the chat room with us tonight. We had Don, KB2YSI, Matt, KR8E, Tony, KM4HSD, Don, KC9ZMY, Steve, K7HVT, Tom, N4HAI, Ted, WA0EIR, and Dan, KF5TQN, fast type in there. <laughs> uh, so thanks very much for supporting the show, for listening, for being a part of this. And if you're not doing any of those things, but just downloading and listening, we really appreciate that too. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't checked the, the statistics lately, but we usually have between three and 5,000 downloads per episode, which is pretty good for an amateur radio podcast as far as i know i mean i feel like we're doing well <laughs> <laughs> and uh some of these guests we've had on lately have really sort of sparked interest in the show so we want to thank all the folks who've been willing to come on and talk about various projects or uh just topics or or whatever and also the folks who are willing to join us uh, as listeners on the roundtables uh those are always fun and entertaining too and if you're interested in joining us on one of our deep dives, send us a note. <laughs> yeah, we, we're always looking for topics. We, we want to keep the show moving. We want to have new and interesting content for listeners all the time. And, uh, you know, there's a whole big world out there, and we can't know about every project that exists. So if you have something you want to talk about, please get in touch and let us know. Uh, just listen to the outro, uh, website information, email contact information, phone number, for leaving voice feedback or just getting in contact with the show. All of that is in the outro. Um, so just check us out or go to LHS podcast.info. All the information is there too. So thanks once again. We're going to wrap this up. This has been episode number 335 of Linux in the Hamshack. And I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Charles W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. 
We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke Discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-NHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux conventional ham Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.